You may be seated. Well, our text this morning is Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through the first part of verse 6. And we pick back up where we left off a couple of weeks ago uh, with our fall sermon series entitled Rhythms and Roots. Uh, What it is to be rooted in the gospel of God's word, uh, to stand firm in and on the reality of union with Christ, uh, to be those who seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And then being rooted in that, then how to grow in that grace uh, through the rhythms of the Christian life that nourish faith, uh, the practices of the Christian faith that God uses uh, to mature us together as we follow Jesus. Uh, in the coming weeks, we'll be looking at rhythms uh, such as serving, uh, resting, giving, praying. Two weeks ago, Dennis introduced us to the first of the rhythms, uh, that of learning, um, the first couple of verses of Romans 12. And today we pick up where we left off uh, in Romans 12, picking up with verse 3. And this morning, our Rhythm is the rhythm of connecting. What does it mean to be called to and to connect as the people of God? Well, before we hear his word, uh, let's take a moment to pray. Please join me. Lord, we look to you this morning, you who are head of the church, who are head of the body, uh, your body, the body of Christ. And we pray that you would direct and coordinate us this morning in such a way Uh, that our hearts would hear, that our minds would be renewed, uh, that our lives would be transformed by your power and your grace. Uh, Lord, that we would not only learn, but that we would grow in our connecting with you and with one another. And we pray it all in Jesus. Amen. And so now I invite you to hear the word of God uh, from Romans chapter 12. Uh, beginning in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I, Paul, say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we... Though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, and having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. This is God's word for our good and his glory. And so let's turn to it now. Well, this morning as we consider this rhythm of connecting, we're going to do so by way of three questions. Uh, Question one, uh, why should we connect? Uh, Question two, why do we struggle to connect? And then question three, how do we truly connect? Uh, So these three questions on connecting. So our first question, question number one, why should we connect? Why is this so important? Uh, that we would see it in God's word, that we would make it an emphasis uh, in this series. Uh, Well, here again, uh, picking back up with verse 4. 
For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. For as in one physical body, as Paul uses here, we see that we are one spiritual body in Christ. One, unity, uh, connected together as a whole, as something bigger than ourselves. And I was, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded of a, uh, a movie, uh, one that I actually like uh, quite a lot. It is uh, up-tempo. Uh, high volume, high stepping, and as I did my research on it again, I found out that the, the sequel came out, it premiered yesterday. So I was surprised to find that out. Now, it's, I haven't seen any previews because it wasn't, uh, wasn't being released on the big screen. Rather, it was being released on VH1. So if you happen to be on VH1 last night, you might have seen Drumline 2. So obviously, the movie that I'm thinking of came out about 10 years ago. It's called Drumline. Uh, it is the story of a marching band uh, at the, uh, the fictional college, uh, historic uh, black college, uh, Atlanta A&T. Now, uh, fictional college, but one based on a, a real one, uh, North Carolina A&T, uh, itself being a historically black college and university. In the movie Drumline, it stars uh, Nick Cannon as, the, the, as a drummer, very gifted, very talented, uh, skilled on the snare drum. Uh, some of you may know Nick Cannon better from hosting uh, America's Got Talent or being married to Mariah Carey, but he was in this film. Uh, directed, uh, the director, the band director by Orlando Jones. I won't go through the whole movie, but there was something that was hard for Nick Cannon's character to get and something that Orlando Jones' character as the band director continually emphasized, a concept, a catchphrase, and it was this. One band, one sound. That's who we are. Again and again. One band, one sound. We are one. We are a unity connected together as something bigger than ourselves. Uh, Paul emphasizes again in, in Ephesians 4. We sang about it earlier in the church's one foundation. That there is one body into one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Again, for as in one physical body, we are one spiritual body in Christ. Now, several years ago, before uh, my family moved here to Williamsburg, we were in Vancouver, Canada, as some of you know, and uh, the church where I was serving, we hosted a, a city-wide conference uh, for, for the local churches, a conference on urban mission. And one of our speakers was J.I. Packer. And I remember one of the evenings when Dr. Packer was speaking, and speaking about the church's witness uh, to the world around us, to the culture around us, he said something that stunned us all. He said this, the church does not need to unite. The church does not need to unite. But he continued by pointing out this. The church does not need to unite because we are already united in Christ. It is a reality that we need to express. 
And that is what he was calling us to, to express the unity that we already have in Christ. Well, not only are we, we called to live out the reality of our unity in Christ, but we see very clearly in Scripture that this is what we were created for. Created for unity, for community, for connecting. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2. We see that we were created to be an unhindered, flourishing relationship with God, with one another. And then here, uh, Romans 12 is echoed in Ephesians. Paul is calling us to live as we were created to live. Uh, to live out the reality of our recreation in Christ. Just as we see God's original, atten- original intent for us in creation. Uh, in the beginning. Now I don't want to spend a lot of time on this point because I think scripture makes it pretty clear. Uh, and we'll come across it again uh, later in the sermon. So for our second question. Question two. Why do we struggle to connect? I mean, we're all aware that we connect to various degrees uh, with various people, but we're also very aware that we often have struggle, struggles to connect with one another. So I'll read again, picking up with verse 4, but this time going uh, a bit further into the first part of verse 6. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use our different gifts to build up the body. And so we see here that within the unity of the church, there is diversity among its members. Different people with different gifts, gifts that are given uh, to benefit, to connect the members of the body of Christ. Uh, As another one of my seminary professors uh, put it, uh, Daryl Johnson liked to talk about it in terms of its unity, not because of sameness, but because of uniqueness. And we often think about unity in terms of if we were just all the same, right? No. Unity not because of sameness, but because of Our uniqueness. In other words, we're talking about unity, not uniformity. Not uniformity. It's unity in diversity. It's a beautiful thing. It's a biblical thing. So, uh, back to the the movie Drumline, Marching Band. Clearly, the the focus of the the film is on the drumline of the uh, percussion section. Uh, but, But obviously, the film has to take into account the entire marching band, all of the the sections, the brass section, uh, woodwind section as well. Now, I'm not a musically talented guy. I really don't have a lot of artistic gifts. Uh, My brother stole all of those and has taken them to New York where he puts them into good use. I don't have them. The best I can do is I can play the radio, and I don't always do that well. And so when I I watch a film like this, it it, it takes me into a world that I'm, I'm not used to. And as I was watching, I remember being captivated and really grew in my appreciation for how all the various parts were were brought together. I saw the the necessity of and the beauty in the diversity that was gathered in that marching band. 
Now, to, to echo Paul in 1 Corinthians, where he uses body imagery again, you know, think about how our, the various parts of our body work, or at least how they're supposed to work. You know, it's, we don't ever sit down for a meal and have our mouth instruct our hand, do not pick up that fork to stab that yummy food and put it in my mouth. No, it's supposed to work together. Now, I say that in jest to some degree, but it brings us to a very important point. A very important point that all of us need to hear, that all of us need to believe, and this morning I suspect some of you need to hear it more than others. But the point is this, you matter. You matter, plain and simple. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of how you are treated, Regardless of your struggles, you matter because God made you. God spoke you into existence. You are his created in his image. Now, this means something else as well. That the person in front of you matters. The person behind you, the person beside you. The person on the other side of the room that you don't really like matters. There is no differing status in the Christian life. Uh, Different roles, yes, but different standing, no. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Friends, though we share similarities with, with one another, you are unique. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, as David declares in Psalm 139. Fearfully and wonderfully made, and then he goes on and declares, and wonderful are your works, O God. That's you. That's me. A wonderful work of God, period. Uniquely gifted to love and to serve within and then also through the body of Christ. Unity in diversity. Many members, one body, created to connect, called to connect. So what's the problem then? Why do we struggle uh, to get this right? Why do we struggle to truly connect? Well, no surprise here. The problem is that nasty three-letter word, sin. Sin, our turning from God, our running from him. We go back to Genesis 3. We see that ever since the fall, we have been hiding. Hiding from God, hiding from others. Hiding behind fig leaves and animal skins. Hiding in caves of emotional withdrawal. Hiding behind our more sophisticated covers today of accomplishment and appearances. Hiding behind computer screens and smartphones. You know, it's been said uh, that our technologically advanced world today, that we are the most connected, and yet at the same time the most disconnected people to ever live. Why? It's because we're afraid, and yet we have found new ways to to cover ourselves, to go into hiding, and to sometimes even convince us that we're known because we have a lot of people like us, and so we have friends, right? But do they really 
know us. Because, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that if you truly knew me, if, if you knew what I wrestled with in my heart and in my mind, if it, was, if it was projected on the screen behind me, you wouldn't like what you saw, you wouldn't like me, and there is no way that you could love me. And so I'm going to hide. And yet in Genesis 2, we see that we were created to connect, to connect deeply and powerfully, to know and be known, to love and be loved. Yet because of sin, we're afraid. We run and we hide in the bushes, just like our very first parents, Adam and Eve. We're scared and confused. We struggle to connect. As I've quoted before, we, we are a people who crave to be loved and yet fear to be known. And so what do we do? Well, that brings us to our third and final question. How then do we connect? How do we truly connect with one another in the midst of our sin and brokenness? Because as we all know, sin has broken the members of the body. It's broken all of us. Uh, Further, it has disfigured our diversity. And thus, our differences often lead to disunity rather than to unity. Might be differences in interests, differences in personality, differences in skills, gifts, experiences, whatever. But rather than leading to unity, so often now leading to disunity. You're not like me, so I don't like you. And when we think in terms of body imagery, which Paul often uses, uses elsewhere, uh, we're reminded of the need that, that our own physical body, it needs to be coordinated. And for that, for that body to be coordinated, uh, the, the head needs to be working properly. Now, we live in a fallen world, and so we experience uh, the difficulty in that as human beings with our own physical body. Uh, a, a good uh, friend of mine used to be a great rock climber. I mean, he was like one of those guys that would, you know, climb upside down and somehow be holding on with his baby toe and a pinky, and you just can't figure out how he can do this. But he had a horrific fall. Uh, He should not have survived. Um, He now lives with a severe TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Uh, He knows what it is like every day to struggle to think clearly. Uh, motor skills are off, lacks coordination, is difficult. The members of his body aren't coordinated because the head is, is broken, is hurting. And so when we look at the body imagery, the good news for us is that when, when we speak of the church as Christ's body, we're reminded that we have a head and he is not broken. But he is the perfect head, he is Jesus Christ. That is why you will never hear, a, or should never hear a pastor say that they are head of the church. Uh-uh. Broken. Ground level. Foot of the cross. Jesus Christ, the only head and king of the church. Paul explains in Ephesians 1 that God placed all things under his, under Christ's feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. You see, purpose, meaning, belonging, unity, connecting is found in Jesus, in Christ alone, our center, our head. 
Whereas sin misleads us away from each other. Misleads us into individualism and and isolation. The Savior leads us back toward one another. Back to community and belonging. To truly connecting. Verse 5. Though many, one body in Christ. In Christ. You see, in Him, with Him, through Him, we fight against the effects of the fall. In Christ, we are freed to come out of hiding. We are free to come out of hiding to, to know and be known, to love and be loved. But here's the hard part. To know and love, to be known, to be loved, you have got to come out of hiding. Plain and simple. You have got to come out of hiding. You have got to risk. You've got to risk to connect. In other words, you've got to be an honest sinner. Now, what do I mean by that, honest sinner? Well, on the one hand, you've got to be continually honest about your ongoing struggle with sin. No use pretending there is no struggle. God's word is clear. It's there. You know it. Be continually honest about your ongoing struggle with sin. But on the other hand, you've got to be continually honest about God's work in your life. That he is at work growing you in grace, strengthening you, forgiving you, growing the way that you live and the way that you relate. And you've got to be continually honest about all this with others, with other people. I mean, think for a moment. Great command, love God, love neighbor. It's relational. Can't do it alone. You've got to do it in relationship. Now, not everything with everyone, but most things with some, or at least someone. So are you an honest sinner? Are you honest with yourself? Are you honest with those around you? I really struggle with sin. Here's how I'm struggling to believe the gospel. Here's what's got a hold of me and I just can't seem to let it go. Are you honest? Here's where God has been meeting me. Here's how I've tasted his, his, His love for me. And do you make it a safe place for others to be honest sinners? That's something often as the church we don't do a very good job of making it a safe place for sinners. And if any place should be a safe place for sinners, it should be here. Again, you have got to come out of hiding. You've got to risk. You've got to take that risk to connect. Uh, Research professor Brene Brown calls this the power of vulnerability. Uh, You you want to hear it from an academic research standpoint, then listen to the TED Talk by Brene Brown. You get home today, go to YouTube, type in Brene Brown. It's like Brene, but with a B on the front, B-R-E-N-E, Brene Brown. Uh, Immediately what will come up is the power of vulnerability. Uh, It's 20 minutes long. It is well worth your time. And it is a great example of secular academic research acknowledging the reality of biblical truth. And why would that ever surprise us? Because all truth is God's truth. Amen? 
It's about connecting. But to do so, you've got to risk. To do so, you've got to dare greatly. And that's, that's the name of her book, Daring Greatly. Now, she does acknowledge very clearly that this is not an easy thing to do. Simple, but not easy. In fact, uh, Brene Brown says that, that often after she has been truly and open, truly open and honest with someone, that she wakes up the next morning with what she calls a vulnerability hangover. You ever had one of those? You know, usually we try to avoid hangovers. This is a good one to have. But you and I both know that ultimately the power is not in the vulnerability and being open and honest and real, but that the power is in the Lord of vulnerability. It's in Jesus the one who made himself vulnerable, most vulnerable, so that we could be known and loved. Well, as in drumline, and I've already alluded to this earlier, but all marching bands need a leader. Uh, they need a band director. Uh, our drummer this morning, uh, Bradley Allen, he, he and I were talking about just watching how do all of these people come together, especially when it's a huge band with, with amazing formations and yet keeping the one sound of beauty together. We're like, it takes someone to lead. The band director, the head, the one who directs, the one who coordinates the many members. Now, we, we see that. We experience that every Sunday morning. Our music ministry director, uh, Robin, she directs, brings together people with various gifts and talents. And then over here, puts together one band, one sound. Or seasonally, Nancy Stokes uh, does the same for our choir. Coordinating voices of grace to be something beautiful and bigger than they could ever be on their own. One band, one sound. Unity and diversity held together, and directed by the head. And of course we need that too as the church. And we know that we have the head, the perfect head of Jesus. And here in this passage, we see the centrality of our head, of Jesus Christ. In verse 3 of Romans 12. Take a moment and look for Jesus with me in this verse. Verse 3 <clears throat> For by the grace given to me, I, Paul, say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think of yourself with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, that God has given you. Okay, now maybe you read that and you say, um, wh where do we see the centrality of Christ in here? It's those two peculiar words, verse 3, sober judgment. Now, at first, I mean, doesn't it appear to be a major downer? Like the first time you read through this, don't think too highly of yourself, think of yourself poorly. And you're like, man, I want to get out of this passage and move on. It doesn't say that at all. Look at what it says. There's a, there's a double exhortation going on here. Do not think... And do think. 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. The converse would be true. Not too low either. Do not think, but think of yourself with sober judgment. And think of yourself in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. That God has given you. Okay, here's the deal. Faith. And when I say faith, I'm talking about saving faith. Trust in Jesus. Faith is a gift from God. Gifts are given to those who are loved. So if you have faith in God, if you have faith in Christ, then you have been given a gift, and thus you are loved by Him. And here's the catch. It's not an easy kind of love. You see, this love is both humiliating and exhilarating at the same time. That's the sober judgment of verse 3. The love from the cross of Christ. Uh, This phrase, sober judgment, literally in Greek, sober judgment can be translated accurate assessment. Have an accurate assessment of yourself through faith, the gift that God has given you. Here's what's going on. A love that's humiliating and exhilarating. You see, on the one hand, at the cross, we see that our depravity is fully exposed. Fully exposed. I mean, friends, the the truth is, you are more sinful and flawed than you could ever believe. I mean, you are in bad shape. I am in bad shape. Apart from Christ, it's worse than we could ever imagine. But at the same time, at the cross, God's love is fully expressed. And so, you see that you are loved and accepted more than you could dream of. That which you most long for is bigger and more beautiful than you could ever imagine. Our depravity, fully exposed, God's love, fully expressed. You see, we come to the cross with nothing. And yet, at the cross, we are given everything. The righteousness of Christ. A love that's humiliating and exhilarating. The sober judgment of verse 3. And for those of us in Christ, it brings about a humble confidence. Now again, it's not, I said it's not an easy love. It's not easy to understand. It's not easy to live in. And for me to be honest with you, I've got to tell you, I struggle with this every day. Swinging from one extreme to the other. Uh, it's, it's the pendulum swing. Uh, from insecurity and hopelessness and, and my sin to swinging all the way back over to, to pride and presumption and God's salvation. It's swinging from thinking not highly enough of myself as if I'm so bad God doesn't love me. There is no value. To then swinging all the way to the other side, thinking too highly of myself. But he's glad he made me, glad to have me on his team. And we just swing back and forth and back and forth. And yet we are called in this passage to have an accurate assessment of ourselves. I continually need Jesus every moment of every day. And here we see clearly I continually need others. Others who know and love me and who will point me to Jesus every day. We've got to hold these two extremes together. Or or rather, we've got to be held together by them. 
our depravity fully exposed, God's love fully expressed. It's a beautiful thing. Brothers and sisters, it's through this gospel lens that we are called to live. It is through this gospel lens that that we are to measure ourselves and then to relate to others, truly connecting with one another through this, this, this wonderful paradox of redemption. It's through this humiliating, exhilarating love that we are able to truly connect with one another as honest sinners who continually rely on the grace of Jesus. And so I, with Paul, say to you, do not think too highly or too low of yourself, but think of yourself with sober judgment, having an accurate assessment of yourself in light of the gospel through the gift of faith that God has given you. And in this, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, in this we will grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is connecting properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's good news, my friends. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given yourself for us at the cross by the power of the Spirit that you open the eyes of our hearts to see and believe. We pray that you would do that more and more, that we would grow in living as those, as men and women with sober judgment, celebrating your goodness and grace to us as we learn what it is to be connecting with you and with one another. And we give you thanks in Jesus. Amen.